Welcome to the Multifamily Five, where industry experts provide raw information about how they are achieving success in the current market conditions. And now, your host, Dallas-based real estate broker, Mark Allen. And welcome to the Multifamily Five. Today I have Vincat Avasarala. Vincat, how's it going? Doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, super pumped to have you on the show. So Vincat is with Raven Multifamily. I don't want to, I do want to say, because he, he may or may not say it, that he has expanded his portfolio uh, very quickly in DFW. And he's done a, uh, him and his partner, uh, Ramana, have done a great job of fostering relationships and uh, delivering returns to their investors. I, I believe they recently sold two assets. And today we're going to talk about- That is correct. The top five things to do, or the top five to do's prior to selling a multifamily property. So, given that uh, Vincat has some recent experience selling multifamily properties, uh, we're going to get his top five to do. So, Vincat, with that, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, that would be great. Sure. Yeah, like um, I have one other partner, Ramana Kurada. So together we co-founded Raven Multifamily back in June of 2016, ever since we acquired eight assets uh, in B and C uh, asset class, uh, mostly in Dallas, but uh, one in Oklahoma and one in Arizona. And we recently sold two of those eight properties and we are under contract to sell our third one. Mm. Uh, not too far from now, uh, February 6th, this goes in. This is our Arizona one. And I'm so glad that uh, in this, uh, particular deal will be doubling our investors' equity in just a little over two months, two years. So we are absolutely thrilled about it. And our portfolio is about $110 million in uh, acquisitions with uh, $30 million that we have raised from individual investors, uh, anything from $50,000 to half a million from each of our investors. So we're very proud to say that, uh, you know, so many people, more than 300 people, uh, trusted in us, our investors uh, made us, uh, got us where we are today, and we, we are we're nothing without them. <clears throat> so I'm glad to say that we acquired a 1,700 units, and we are under contract to get our ninth property. It's a 350 unit in Irving. So all is well. Awesome, and congratulations, and good luck, and take that thing to a close. So, um, anyways, Vincat and I have have been close and talking about doing a podcast for a while. And we thought this was a great topic. Um, so anyways, we're going to go through the top five to do's and, and it's not in any particular order. I think it's maybe more so in a um, sequential or timeline order versus you know, sure. Hey, this is the top first thing you need to do based on our discussion prior to this. So then Kat with that, what is the very first thing uh, that you, what is your very first to do? I would say planning. You know, we got to plan ahead these sales. It's ideally best not to do a quick sale on a dime, uh, right? Because several things may not be in your favor if you just want to do a quick sale. And maybe you won't get optimum returns for yourselves and uh, your investors, right? So I would say planning. And when I say planning, I mean detailed planning. So you got to have in your plan like, okay, this is the NOI that I want to hit um, before I can put the property on the market. So 
I would start planning just one year into the property, uh, one year into the ownership, uh, and just kind of call out things like, okay, this is the NOI that uh, I want to hit before I want to put uh, the market, the, the property on market. Uh, then also, what I would say is the timing, timing of the year. It's best to sell in summer months. Why? Uh, because our collections are usually pretty good. And uh, my, uh, it's my experience that the collections uh, peak out in July. Um, so I would try to schedule my best and final right after July so that I can provide the July financials. So I'll just uh, plan backwards from there and see when uh, the property has to hit the market. Um, so th th that's what I would say. And one other thing is always have a backup plan. I mean, you got to do have a backup plan, right? What if many well-thought plans sometimes won't pan out, right? So what are we gonna do? Uh, if the property doesn't go through the sale for whatsoever reason, we're gonna refi or we're gonna do a supplemental, or we're gonna offer it as an off-market. So things like that. I mean, a lot of planning goes into it. Uh, the more you plan, the less the surprises and the better the results. Very good. Yeah. And, and I think one other thing I'd add to that is engage your broker early and often. Um, it, maybe you're going to go mm -hmm. with a specific broker. Maybe you're going to collect multiple BOVs either way. Maybe, you know, typically um, you, you may sell with the broker who sold you the deal. So even if you think that you may be experienced sure. in selling properties, it's always good to, to bounce ideas off the broker, maybe even have them on site to tour the property or see the property um, and, and provide you some recommendations because at, at the end of the day, you got to prepare financially and physically. Um, and this is kind of what Mincat is going into. So as a broker, I would say, um, from my perspective, engage a broker um, prior to selling. And I would say, you know, between six and 12 months to start that conversation. So with that, uh, Venkat, that was number one. So the number two would, uh, for me, would be a proven, we have to prove the value add, right? So we cannot leave it for the guesswork uh, because at the end of the day, the person who knows the property at the back of their hand is you, right? I mean, uh, I'm the seller, so I know this property more than anybody at this given point. So it's better for to have a good value add um, proof, right? So what, what is that? So pick few units, uh, do whatever upgrades. Obviously, you have to do the market survey and see what's going on in your neighborhood and basically do those upgrades and just don't leave it for the buyer's imagination because they can get really conservative on you with their underwriting and may not be aggressive enough and hit the numbers that you are expecting for your property. So I would say that everybody should prove at least 3 to 5% of their units to prove a value add. Very good. Yeah. And the only thing I think I'd add to that is, uh, you know, value add, that term is thrown around loosely. Obviously, it's, it's partly a marketing term. Um, you know, every broker says every deal is a value add deal. But uh, I think leaving meat on the bone, we call it value add 2.0, proving out the upside. Um, obviously, right now, the biggest buyer <laughs> pool in the market today is the value add buyer. And so, uh, you know, especially in DFW, um, and other in other large markets, uh, buyers are paying a premium for value add deals because if you can buy a Class C deal at say a six cap, um, typically after you add value, maybe you continue on with the renovation program. You can take that up to a seven, a seven and a half, and maybe even an eight cap. So, um, anyways, thanks for that, and Cat. Number three, what is number three on your list? I would say identify and articulate the efficiencies and clean up the teeth wall. But uh, let me elaborate, right? So um, again, uh, to my earlier point, uh, if I'm selling the property, I know 
the the strengths and the weaknesses of my property and the opportunities of my property right so uh, for example like water efficiency right ideally we i would want to do it myself and want to get a benefit of that but usually by the time uh, you, we sell a property we probably depleted all our capex reserves and all that uh, so the next best thing that we can do is to articulate the opportunity, right? Uh, we were selling our uh, one of our properties in Arizona, right? So what we did is before we list the property, we actually had a water company. Usually these are things like things a broker would do for you, but uh, we were very proactive. We had a water company or, or to our property. We had them had them give us a bid. So that's just one of the examples. But the other examples can be, let's say, if you're a uh, if you're operating at a higher payroll for whatever reason, you can call it out, right? I and mean, things like that, you have to definitely identify identify what the efficiencies are for the next buyer uh, to come in and to capitalize. And when it comes to the cleaning T12, um, nowadays, you know, our property management companies, right? I mean, uh, you usually go, go with a successful one, not somebody who just manages two, 300 units, but several thousands of units, right? There is a reason you go with them. But with that comes the problem where the back houses, right? They are dealing with uh, a lot of data, a lot of uh, GL transactions. Sometimes there's misportings, right? Let's say you spend something, on a one-time big uh, improvement on your property, let's say uh, you got new landscaping done or things like that, and that might end up as an OPEX, right? I mean, uh, the AP clerk who's sitting in the back office, that person need not know exactly how this money got spent and how to categorize it, and it might end up in your uh, OPEX instead of CAPEX, right? So it always makes sense to actually, before you list the property, to go over your T12 with a fine tooth comb to see if there is any one-time purchases that you have to reallocate to CapEx and basically scrub it and give it a nice scrub and have a clean T12 uh, before you can send it to the broker. Right. Uh, maybe one other thing I'd add. I mean, that that's a big headache for me sometimes dealing with um, properties that are self-managed and trying to figure out what exactly is CapEx items. I've had to do that quite a bit recently, but uh, uh, potentially partnership expenses as well. Um, things that may not be included, like you know, meals and entertainment or travel expenses to the property. Those are typically partnership expenses and outside of the typically property um, property level expenses. So, uh, anything else to add there, Vincat? I think you you summed it up very well there. Okay. And number four, presentation. Right. So I came from, I originally started with single family, right? I mean, a lot of people can actually relate to it, right? If you want to get top dollar per year house, we go after the curb appeal, right? Before we sell the property, we spend money, do the curb appeal, put a fresh coat of paint or whatever to, to get the retail value. If we don't want the retail value, obviously would sell it as wholesale. But more often than not, what we see is, especially from the owners who own the property for several years, like over five years or so, um, they expect a retail value for their property, but they don't make it look nice, right? The presentation is not there. So it's like uh, your property looks like a wholesale property, but you're expecting a retail value for that. I'm mean, in my mind, that's how I see it. So it goes a long way to spend some time and some dollars to clean up the property. Things like, right, maybe you don't have to paint the whole property. Maybe you just uh, uh, repaint that white order because it's so tired just to give it a little pop. Maybe you just can spend some time to make sure that uh, all the uh, gravel and everything is not over, uh, is all not all over the place. Maybe put new mulch, uh, just some niceties to, uh, depending on how much uh, budget you have at that point. And uh, we were we recently sold our Oklahoma property, and uh, we kind of scraped our every last dollar and put it into some niceties like. Uh, 
we put a pergola, right? Brand new pergola and you place it and we just uh, do a trim painting. Uh, this really helped, right? Basically what you're trying to do here is to make the buyers um, have a fall in love with your property as soon as they see it. And uh, that, that yields you the top dollar, right? I mean, the, the buyer has to look at it and in the very first side has to fall in love with the property. And the best you do it, the better off you are. And there might be some things, right? Uh, uh, like, let's say you know that you need a new roof. Obviously, you cannot put a new roof just as a make-ready item, right? So at least have a bit handy and make sure that uh, we pass that on to the buyer. It, shows, it does a couple of things, right? It helps the buyer to make a decision quick because they got a bid in their hand, which the seller provided for the new roof from a licensed uh, uh, roofer. Um, and uh, it shows that, the, and the second thing is, it shows the honesty also, right? I mean, it shows that the seller is not trying to hide anything. It, it starts the relationship on the right foot, I would say. Yeah, very good. And just reiterate, because we always say, it's just like you're going to sell your home. Think of selling your home. You're just going to do spruce yeah. up the curb appeal. So very good point. Uh, all right. With that, what is the next to-do list or to-do item? My number five would be getting a term sheet and underwrite the deal yourself as a buyer would, right? Uh, most of the sellers, uh, especially I see this in off-market properties, right? They have some kind of number in their head and they ask for that. And sometimes it sounds so far away from reality, right? And these kind of things happen because the sellers are not spending an hour or two just to underwrite the property as a buyer would right so that everybody's on the same page close to reality right mm -hmm. so that we are not in two separate worlds so i would definitely say uh start underwriting the property um as a buyer would again you, uh, the seller knows the most about the property uh, given that they are operating this they, they, they definitely know what the opportunities strengths and weaknesses are and all that so underwrite the property and it helps you to decide whether you want to offer the property as the cash or even refi so that goes into the second thing where you actually have to get yourself a term sheet, right? From your lender uh, who's carrying your loan right now and you can ask for a new bid and a supplemental bid. Uh, so basically all I'm saying is underwrite the property and get the term sheet as a buyer word so you know what to expect. Very good. And I think that's the top five. Is there anything else you wanted to add that may be outside of that? Uh, that uh, top five to-do list? No, I would sum it all. I mean, if uh, every seller, I mean, see, I'm a buyer at this point still, even though I sold two and selling the third one, uh, I'm a net buyer. And these are the things which I saw in my experience. And I always uh, wondered that, hey, it would be nice if seller did this and this and this kind of thing. So I, I would say that these are my top five. Awesome. Well, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for the listeners to contact you? Sure. My phone, my phone number is 281-727-9238. And my email is venkat at ravenmultifamily.com. It's V as in Victor, E-N-K-A-T as in Tango at raven, R-A-V-E-N, multifamily.com. Venkat, thanks so much. Always enjoy chatting with you. Your wealth of knowledge with, uh, you know, two cycles of real estate experience. So uh, look forward to getting together. I know we set a goal last year. We we're going to do three deals in 2018. So uh, <laughs> let's start off the year on the right foot and get a deal done. How's that sound? Sounds great. Looking right. forward to it, Mark. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.